It looked like death had won. It looked like on that day, that Sabbath day, that Good Friday we call it, it looked like death had won. It looked like Christ who had died was placed in a tomb. And on that Sunday morning, there were ladies at dawn that came to anoint his buried and dead body. But then hope is what they found indeed. And instead, the Bible says, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And when they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, and this is one of the most profound questions in Scripture, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Praise God. Our hope is not dead. Our hope is not finished. Our hope is not defeat. Our hope is in victory in the Lord Jesus Christ who, yes, lived and yes, died, but yes, rose again from the grave that we might have a living hope. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We pray that you would be with us today as we open your word. And may this word today point us to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's, it's not finished. There's still more to come. Yes, he lived, died, and rose again. But he also is coming again. And so, Father, we look forward to that day. We ask that you would bless us. Father, that you would keep us. That you would cause your face to shine on us. Father, thank you for all that you are and all that you will be. Father, I want to pray right now for the person in this room who's never turned from sin and trusted in Christ. We pray that you've already begun to awaken them call them Lord move them toward you in Christ Jesus and today would be the day just as our brothers and, and our, our, our brothers have proclaimed here through baptism that, that they too can be saved and we pray that today would be the day in Jesus name and all God's people said well amen go ahead and grab your seat if you would so good to have you with you uh, to be here with you on this Lord's day if you don't mind grab your copy of God's word and go with me to Matthew chapter 24 Matthew chapter 24 we're going to pick up where we have been preaching through here in this Olivet discourse the Olivet discourse you know every now and then my wife she'll go on a trip without me we don't like to to be apart but every now and then you know we must all right for instance during fall break last month we worked it out that that after we visited Zach in Terre Haute that she and the rest of the kids they would head over to Ohio to visit the family uh, while I headed back down home uh, to Mississippi and I was going to be home for about five days without her and like all good wives do she left me something a honeydew list amen all good wives do that don't they men praise God right she usually does that and I don't mind at all I mean honestly I, I like to to do what I can it's good to knock out several things while she's away um, of course I have to make sure that I balance my honeydew with my Benny do list okay we got to balance that out okay I got to do some things I want to do too but nevertheless I, I want to knock out her list on top of making sure that the house is in good order when she gets home so that she can just come in proper feet up and rest after a long drive right I mean that's my gift to her when she comes in right 
Look at you, look at me like, yeah, you ought to do that more often than just when I'm away, right? All right? But one of the things that really helps me, one of the things that really helps me to make sure that my honeydew list and the house are all ready for her when she comes in is my trusty Life 360 app. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about when I talk about a Life 360 app? Yeah, okay, okay. Life 360, it's an app that shares your location on a map. It's something that Christy and I use with all of our kids who have phones, all right, and with each other. Let's say that she's traveling home from Bowling Green on a Saturday like she did last month, um, which was, that was her last stop on the fall break trip. She stopped in to, to see my mom and dad, and I know that when she leaves there, I have six to seven hours to complete everything that she told me to do. Now, I, look, I am not one to procrastinate. <laughs> I promise, I promise, right? But nevertheless, I know I've got six to seven hours, right? Plenty of time. Plenty of time to sit down and watch a little bit of college game day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I got to get that in, right? Because that's on my Benny-Do list as well, all right? Uh, I, 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 but here's the good news. I, impl- I employ my my limited powers of multitasking i'll find that basket of socks and i'll begin to mate those you know while uh while i'm watching kirk herb street and desmond howard go back and forth and finally lee corso you know he puts on his mascot to pick the winning team and i i look down at my life 360 you know oh, ooh, she's in coleman alabama <laughs> well that's that's halfway home she's almost halfway home and so i got to get serious and so i fly in i'm knocking out everything i can do on the honey to list and then i i look down on my life 360 oh, ooh, she's in tuscaloosa now she's an hour and a half away i gotta turn on my afterburners oh my goodness she's at the mississippi state line oh my, oh my goodness she's getting off the exit 150 meridian i gotta put the finishing touches on this bad boy oh snap she's turned on to highway 494 it's it's now or never and then life 360 gives me that notification ding christy's arrived at home and i know she's turned into our driveway and praise god the honeydew is done i'm ready to greet her with that hug and and that kiss right praise god for life 360 so that i can be fully ready when she pulls in otherwise and I, this has never happened i promise she might find me napping with a big cushy chair all right cool ranch dorito dust on my fingertips napping with college game day or the sec network still on there with my honeydew un completed (laughs) now as we turn to our text here matthew 24 i just want to say up front there is no life 360 app with the lord jesus christ there's no life 360 app with the lord jesus christ you see in the parable of the olivet discourse jesus says that his second coming will be like a master who's gone away on a trip and has been delayed in his coming indeed he's coming back but here's the deal it's going to be on a day when it's least expected and an hour that is not known there is no life 360 app with the lord jesus christ and so the question is what will you be found doing when he comes will you be found faithful and responsible or will you be found apathetic and undependable I want to invite you to stand this morning to honor the reading of God's word as we wrap up chapter 24 here. Beginning there in the 45th verse, the word of God says this through the mouth of Jesus, through the pen of Matthew. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has set over his household 
to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, you will, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray. So Father, we ask that you would help us today to, to understand your word, that we might learn it. Father, help us to get it into our heart today that we might love it. And then help us to go out and get it into our lives so that we might live it, God. Thank you for your word today. Do what you mean to do today, Father, what you will to do. This is your time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Grab your seat there. So today's truth is simply this. The second coming of Christ will be like a master delayed in returning. The second coming of Christ will be like a master delayed in returning. And in light of this truth, I want us to focus on two realities this morning. And then I want to share with you four actions to help us remain faithful until he finally returns all right first is the reality that our master is away that is indeed the reality his second coming is going to be like a master delayed in returning he's currently away now jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection we read in scripture with the disciples there in and, and around jerusalem and the bible says that he was teaching them and speaking about the kingdom of god and instructing them to not depart from jerusalem until the promise of the father had come that's the holy spirit and as the day of Jesus' departure finally come we read this in acts chapter 1 verse 6 through 9 the bible says so when they had come together they asked him Lord, what will you at this time, or will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, the Bible says, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight now can you imagine I, mean, I don't know how fast it happened i don't know if it was like a rocket ship or was it more like a slow liftoff like a hot air balloon probably more like the hot air balloon right if i have to imagine in my mind he was lifted up 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 and i have to imagine that as he went up 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 the disciples jaw went down 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 Wow. You know, you could just see what was going on. They, 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 they continued to look on until the Bible said that they could no longer see him. He got so high into the sky that he passed through the clouds and it took him out of their vision. But the Bible says they just kept looking. They just kept standing there, scanning the sky like, what just happened? Lord, come back, right? And I'm not sure how long they stood there and were gazing, but it was long enough that God had to send two angels to tell them to quit it. Look at 10 and 11. Uh, Acts 1, verse 10 and 11. And, and while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? 
this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So, beloved, right there is a direct promise of the second coming of Jesus. And as we said here in Collinsville, Mississippi, on this Sunday morning, November 12, 2023, we are still waiting for that to take place. I mean, it's been almost 2,000 years. He's been away for almost 2,000 years. I mean, what in the world could be delaying him? Now, we can't tell you why specifically. We have some generalities, right? We have some general ideas of why he's not come yet, why he's still away, but we just know these things for sure. He is away, and he is coming again, amen? We know those two things for sure. Well, church, don't you long for his return? Look, I know that life's pretty good right now for most of us in this room. That's one of the reasons that we don't often sing about heaven like the older generations did, the generations before us. Their life was so much harder than ours. Their life, they, they couldn't wait to get to heaven. But if we're going to be honest this morning, some of us are like, oh, I mean, you know, I, I want to go to heaven one day, but just not yet because it's pretty good right here. But hear me this morning. The glory of heaven is so much more than the glory of right here. So much better than the glory of right here on earth. It's going to be revealed when Jesus returns. You see, the Bible tells us that when he returns, all of heaven is coming with him. You will receive, the Bible says, your resurrection bodies and the uh, unredeemed, the the wicked, the Bible tells us, will be thrown into the lake of fire and, and God will usher in the new heaven and the new earth and will make his dwelling among us here on the new combined heaven and earth. I mean, can you just picture what it's gonna be like? Apostle John foresaw this. Revelation 21, verse one through four. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He'll dwell with them, and they'll be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. We see a lot of death. We see a lot of crying and mourning. We see a lot of pain. And it's in those moments when we recognize how difficult life on this earth is. And then we compare it to the truth that's going to be revealed. While, yes, Jesus is away, but he he won't be away forever. He's coming back. It's our hearts then that cry out. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. How much longer will it be? I don't know. But right now, our master is away. That's the first reality that we have to come to face to face with. But here's the second one this morning that arises out of our text, and it's this. 
you and I, we have been tasked by the master to be faithful and wise. A faithful and wise servant while he is away. So yes, he's away, but you and I aren't just to sit around and pine for his return. We're to long for his return, but we're not to pine and mope and, and, and mourn in that way. Look at, look at our text here. Again, Matthew 24, 45 through 47. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So beloved, God's given you stuff to do. We're to be like this head servant whom the master placed over his household while he's away. Right? He, he was to be busy, right? Making sure everything and everybody was taken care of. The master didn't tell his head servant how long he would be away. He just told him he'd be away and that the servant was in charge until he returns. And the expectation was however long it was going to be that when he did indeed return, everything would be in order. It would be clean, it would be healthy, it would be cared for. And that's what a faithful and wise servant does. I want to say to you this morning, church, you and I, we are to be that faithful and wise servant. Our, our master's indeed away, and, and we don't know for how long, but he's tasked us. He's given us a task, and that's to be faithful and wise in serving him while he's away. Look at verse 46 again. Verse 46, blesses that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. I, I don't know if you're one who underlines in your Bible or not, but if you are, I would encourage you to underline the word doing. Doing. Look at that right there. If you're one that does that, underline that word. You and I should be about the Lord's work in his absence. What is that work? Well, in general, it, it, it's simply doing good. I mean, that's what's implied here. Doing everything the master has given you to do. And as a Christian, in general, we could say, look, that, that, that's, that's living a life of holiness, living a life of righteousness, but not just a life of holiness and righteousness. Because we can do that by ourselves in a sense, right? I mean, you could become a hermit, you could become a monk, and you could live a life of holiness and righteousness. But God's not called us just to that. No, I believe also, beloved, that he's called us to a life of godly industriousness. Industriousness. That means that we are to be about God's work. That means we're not just to be busy, but we're to be busy with things that matter. Let me say that again. We're not just to be busy. We're to be busy with things that matter. Godly industriousness. Godly busyness. The Holy Spirit tells us this in 1 Corinthians. Consider this this morning. 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in the 10th verse through the 15th, it says this. The Holy Spirit says this through Apostle Paul. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care. This is to all of us right here, y'all. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. 
For no one can lay a foundation other than that which has laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one of you has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer Lost, though he himself will be saved, but is only through fire. So what this says is that every single one of us are building. We are building on the foundation of Jesus Christ in our lives. But too many of us are building with wood, hay, and straw. Or maybe you're used to hearing it as wood, hay, and stubble. Instead of gold and silver and precious stones those things that would survive the fire so to speak too many of us are building and and busy in things that won't last and won't matter in the last day every one of us are tempted to do this every one of us are tempted to do this what will you be found doing when he comes Beloved, be found doing what's faithful and wise. Be found doing what's good, what's lasting. That means don't just avoid sin. We want to do that. Avoid sin, right? But also, avoid triviality. Avoid frivolity. Avoid irrelevance. Don't just do something Do something that matters. Don't blow the chance that God's given you. You see, how you spend your time while Jesus is away is in a sense a test. Notice again what it says, verse 46 and 47 in our text here, Matthew 24, 46 and 47. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So If you and I will be faithful and wise, the Bible says God will lavish blessings on us. Well done, good and faithful servant. And that should be the goal of every one of us here. That should be our motivation. And we should continue until we either go to him or he comes to us. There are those of us in this room who are more advanced in age than others that's a nice way of saying it right just more advanced in age I didn't say what age so if the shoe fits wear it (laughs) but there is never a retirement from the work of God amen never a retirement from the work of God from that Christian life and from godly industriousness listen godly men and women they just continue forward doing what they can as they get toward the end of their life yeah their their output so to speak will decrease they're not able to do what they used to be able to do but nevertheless they do what they can and shove off idleness you probably know well from church history the theologian pastor reformer John Calvin the Bible says that, or not the Bible, but, but history tells us that toward the end of his life, which was in his early 50s, 
His friends, they begged him, John, you got to work less for the sake of your declining health. You're, you're just getting too old. You're, you're just getting too sick. You're just not able to do what you used to do. John, just take your foot off the gas so that you can die in comfort. And he would often reply to them this way. He would reply to them and say this, Would you have my master find me idle? Beloved, I pray that we would have that same mindset. We read this in Galatians 6, 9, and 10. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good. That's from the youngest to the oldest among us. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up, the Bible says. So then, this is verse 10, so then as we have opportunity, I don't know how long that opportunity is, but let us do good to everyone especially to those who are of the household of faith. May we not be found idle, and may we not be found in sin, right? May we be faithful and wise while our master is away. In fact, let me say it this way. Idleness is sinfulness. Idleness is sinfulness. So we can just say it this way. Let us not be found in sin when the master comes and while the master is Away. You've been tasked by the master to be faithful and wise as his servant. So how do we do that? How do we remain faithful while our master's delayed in his returning? I want to point you to four quick things this morning. First is simply this. To remain faithful, be about the master's work. Be about the master's work. I'm not going to belabor this point because it's kind of what we just said. right? But every single day, y'all, is an opportunity every day that God has given you is a chance to accomplish something for God. If we wake up in the morning, right, we should have in our minds, what would the Lord have me do today? It's given by God to be used for God, and there are many different things that you've got to accomplish. I've got my Benny-do list. I've got my honey-do list. I've got all those things, and together there are a lot of things that I've got to accomplish, but ultimately every one of them is an opportunity to be about the master's work even the most uh, mundane things of course the special things we often think of them but even the most mundane occasions we learn in 1 Corinthians 10 31 so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God every opportunity is a chance to be about the Father's work, the Master's work. Secondly, I would point you to this, to remain faithful, y'all refuse to be lulled into laziness and fleshliness. Refuse to be lulled into laziness and fleshliness. Now, Jesus fully recognized that this is a possibility. <laughs> I've seen me do it. On one hand, the possibility that the master servant will be found faithful and wise, doing what he should be doing, doing what's right, doing what pleases the master. But on the other hand is the possibility of apathy, waywardness, irresponsibility, even wickedness. We could all stand and testify this morning about how in our lives at some point, maybe even this past week, we were tempted with one of those things. Apathy, waywardness irresponsibility wickedness but look at what Jesus says here Jesus said this look 
Matthew 24, 48 and 49. The wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. So we recognize right here that the master's delay is indeed an opportunity for temptation. That happened right here, right? This, this, this situation, his delay lulled this servant into laziness and fleshliness. Who knows when the master's coming back? I mean, if he's coming back, I can do whatever I want. I'm the master of this place. I'll do what I please. And instead of doing what he should have been doing, which was to bless those under his care and to give himself fully to the master's work, the Bible says he began to abuse those under his care and to eat and drink with drunkards. In other words, he got lazy and he got fleshly. And he allowed his flesh to become his master than keeping his master as his master. Every one of us here can be lulled into that same kind of thinking, that same kind of sinfulness. There might be even some here amongst us this morning that there have been moments in your life, maybe you're even there right now, where you doubt the second coming at all. You know, the brothers and sisters that Apostle Peter was writing to in 2 Peter, they were beginning to doubt Jesus' second coming. It had only been 40 years at that point. Only 40 years at that point. But they were beginning to doubt. I mean, here we are, 2,000, almost 2,000 years later. But what Peter said to them stands for you and me right now where we are. This was in the late 60s A.D., right before Peter's death. He writes in 2 Peter 3, 1 through 10, he says, This is now the second letter I'm writing you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up, listen to this, stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They'll say, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Beloved, he's coming. Make no doubt about it. No doubt about it. He is coming. Yes, he seems delayed. 2,000 years. <laughs> come on, Jesus but he's not delayed. He's not delayed. 
he's right on time he's always right on time so I have to refuse to let what seems to be a delay lull me into laziness and fleshliness and one of the ways we do this is number three as the text points us to is to remember that your master's coming when you don't expect it this is in every one of these illustrations right if you were to to sort of sum up all of these all of these parables here in the Olivet Discourse it's this be ready he's coming be ready he's coming you don't know when he's coming be ready again I, wanna, I won't belabor this point he explicitly tells us in the text look at verse 50 Matthew 24 verse 50 the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know there is no Life 360 app with the Lord Jesus Christ, as I said earlier. That means you've got to live ever ready for Jesus to return. It could happen this very hour. You've got to be ready because once he comes, it's going to be like lightning. It's going to be like a blink of an eye. It'll be so rapid. It'll be so quick. There'll be no time whatsoever to get ready once he's here. So you've got to be ready beforehand. You've got to be ready beforehand that means if you're here today and you never turned from sin and trusted Jesus Christ as your savior today is the day of salvation you are not promised tomorrow either you're going to stand before him in death or he could be standing in front of you as he comes right you've got to be ready if you've never turned from sin and trusted Christ don't put it off be ready but for the rest of us who are in Christ don't be lulled don't be lulled. The, the Bible often talks about waking him up. In fact, Paul said, or Peter said in, in, in chapter 3 there, right? He's stirring us up. We've got to be stirred up. We've got to be woken up so that we're ready when he comes because he's coming when you don't expect it. And fourth and finally, I want to say this to you to remain faithful. Know that hypocrites will be dealt with severely hypocrites will be dealt with severely look very closely at verse 48 through 51 and I, I just want to ask you this morning let this passage have its full intended effect on your heart and soul this morning and on your mind but if that wicked servant says to himself my master's delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will listen cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth beloved this is a hard saying and I refuse to soften it for you this morning I refuse to soften it for myself. Every single one of us should take what the Lord Jesus says here to heart. It's meant for those who are in his house, right? These are servants in the master's house. So let this take its full effect. I, I, I will not soften it for you. Hypocrites will be dealt with severely at Jesus' return. If the master finds you living the life that you ought not live, what will 
he do? So I ask you this morning, what will you be found doing when the master returns? What will you be found doing when the master returns? It was Martin Luther who said that Christians should live as if Jesus had died this morning, risen this afternoon, and was coming this evening. It was Jonathan Edwards who wrote these famous resolutions. Resolved, and these are so helpful. It, it, if you've not taken notes yet, write these down. Resolved, this is Jonathan Edwards greatest theologian in the history of America never do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life that's good never do anything which I should be afraid to do if it was the last hour of my life not that you didn't want to do that you were afraid to do. And second, he resolved this. Never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I, would, if I expected it would be above an hour before I should hear the last trump. Let me say that again. Resolved, never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it within the hour to hear the last trump. In other words, what, what, what Jonathan Edwards is saying is I wouldn't do anything that I would be afraid to do if I was about to go see Jesus or if Jesus was about to come see me. We should be people who are found doing good righteous, holy, industrious things for the Lord at His coming. And I don't know when the last trump is going to be, but the Bible says that at the last trump, here He comes. May we be found, my final prayer this morning, faithful and wise.